Hello and welcome to the latest Guernsey Green Finance podcast, rated one of the top 10 most useful sustainable finance podcasts by Green Finance Guide. Guernsey is one of the jurisdictions leading the way in green and sustainable finance and as part of this podcast series we'll be speaking to and learning from some of the leading global figures in the field. My name's Rosie Alsop, I'm Communications Director at We Are Guernsey, the promotional agency for Guernsey's finance industry. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking to Mark Halley. He's Senior Advisor to the United Nations Development Programme, Financial Centres for Sustainability, and former Executive Director to the International Institute for Sustainable Development. Among other topics in the climate finance space, We'll be focusing on biodiversity and the work Mark's conducted with the UN Financial Centres for Sustainability, of which Guernsey's a member. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So to introduce you to our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your career to date, and how you became involved with sustainability? Yes. um, To make it very simple, I spent the first half of my career in nature conservation, working for the United Nations, for WWF, for IUCN, um, and then uh, spent the second half of my career on sustainable development policy. And in the past few years, I've tried to put those two together in the form of uh, focus on nature or biodiversity finance. You might okay. say, however, that I, have, I was present at the creation on sustainable development because the notion came out of the World Conservation Strategy in 1980, and I was part of the writing team. I was also advisor to the Brundtland Commission Secretariat, who coined the phrase sustainable development and promoted it. And I have been dedicating my uh, professional life to uh, advancing sustainable development ever since then. Wow, that's quite some pedigree. Now, Guernsey uh, has been a proud member of the UNFC for us for several years, but uh, our listeners might not be as aware of the initiatives and the background to the UNFC for us. So to to get the ball rolling, why don't you give us a bit of an introduction to your work uh, and and tell us why you're supporting this network? Uh, Thank you. Yes, we began to look at the uh, importance of speeding up the transition to sustainable forms of finance. Too much finance actually undermines sustainable development, but there's a very large growing interest in sustainable forms of finance and a real determination to uh, transition to forms of finance that actually support nature and climate rather than undermine them. And we felt that it was important to work with all of the actors in that uh, transition. And we quickly noticed that uh, financial centers are places of concentration. You have all of the financial actors present in the financial center and all of the surrounding rating, standard setting, data providing service industries that work with those financial actors. And so what you have in a financial center is what Michael Porter would have called the cluster effect. You have the congregation of all of the elements that are necessary to uh, reform the financial system and to speed the transition to more sustainable forms of of investment and and management of the uh, economy. Financial centers are also um, areas where there is a very rapid uptake of new ideas and new um, new technology, and I think Guernsey is a very good example of that. 
And of course, uh, the financial centers are competitive uh, among themselves. And therefore, those who see an advantage in offering sustainable financial services uh, could have um, uh, a very positive effect on their, their position and their profile and uh, sort of win out in, a, in, in the competition for attracting more finance to the financial center. Thank you. So um, not everyone who listens to this podcast is going to be as familiar with all of the terminology that clearly is you know, second nature to you. Um, and for those who may not be familiar with the term biodiversity and the risks and the opportunities, can you tell us a bit about what biodiversity means and why we should be protecting and investing in nature? Yes, well, biodiversity is is a sort of term of art in the international negotiation world, and I, I don't personally like it myself very much. I prefer the much more simple notion of nature. But biodiversity is, of course, the the, the accumulation of, of, of species, of natural resources, of uh, ecosystems and ecosystem services that make up nature. But I think it's simple enough to just talk about nature and the importance of nature uh, to finance. And I think that there's a growing realization, uh, not only that nature is not being treated very well and needs greater attention, needs greater investment, but also that, in fact, uh, the success of our investments increasingly will depend on the state of nature. And therefore, it is in the clear interest of investors and financial actors to ensure that nature is not undermined because it could affect their business model. When one talks about the need for nature finance, one tends to talk about the funding gap, which is estimated at about $824 billion a year, um, and the sad fact that uh, four times uh, the expenditure on conserving nature is actually having the effect of degrading nature. So there's a, there's a serious uh, problem with the way funds are allocated. But that's only half of the story. The other half is that uh, we are very, very uh, dependent on healthy nature for the success of our investments. The World Economic Forum estimates that $44 trillion of output are at risk if nature continues to degrade. And in the World Economic Forum's annual risk uh, report, uh, risk of nature loss and biodiversity loss is consistently up at the top of the concerns, and these are concerns of corporations, concerns of financial actors, not the concerns of the general public. But on the other hand, there's also an opportunity. The World Economic Forum estimates that there is $10 trillion worth of uh, op economic opportunities and financial opportunities investing in the nature space, and that to do so could create up to 395 million jobs. So it's a, a case both of the glass being half empty and half full at the same time. So it's literally good business to invest in nature. <laughs> um, now, we learned so much from sitting on the biodiversity working group with you and other financial centres. Um, what do you think the level of knowledge and understanding of natural capital, biodiversity and nature positive investments are within the world of sustainable finance and finance more broadly? Well, it, we have to recognize that it's a new topic. Um, just like 10 years ago, climate and climate finance were uh, a new and unfamiliar topic. And the difference between climate finance and nature finance is that the, the, the curve 
of learning on nature finance is much steeper and much quicker than it was in the case of climate. So there is a, a, a natural evolution of people understanding that this is a topic they have to think about, they have to incorporate into their business operations. And we are at what I would call a sort of gold rush moment. All of a sudden, everybody understands, yes, this is not only a, a fashionable topic, but a mainstream topic that is here to stay. That it is a, 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 a we're, we're in a very competitive space when it comes to uh, nature finance and financial centers that, that embrace it could have a very significant first mover uh, advantage. But we are still low on that learning curve by and large. And this is true of corporations and financial actors. A recent survey by CDP of 211 companies showed that there is an $80 billion uh, risk among those companies uh, as a result of existing and potential deforestation, but that 64% uh, had no company-wide plan to address deforestation, 74% had no monitoring system to look at their impact on deforestation, and a, and a, a whopping 97% uh, had no forest-related uh, deforestation-related policy within the company. So uh, we are we are clearly at the very beginning uh, of this curve, but as I said, things are moving very very quickly. Absolutely, there's a lot to do. I really like that phrase you use there, that gold wash moment, uh, and I, I can absolutely get on board with that. Um, your work with the UNFC Forest Biodiversity Working Group culminated in a report which outlines an action plan that addresses the needs of financial centres in support of biodiversity. So um, uh, I'll ask you to kind of do, do a summary for me, but uh, what are the takeaways from the initial scoping and framing of the debate exercise? Well, it was very interesting because when we introduced the idea of, uh, of a new focus on, on nature finance or biodiversity finance to the financial centres members, uh, the the reaction was, was mixed. Some said, Yes, we, we understand this is an important subject and we need to learn more about it. But others said, well, we're just trying to get our heads around climate finance. Maybe we can leave this for a bit. And over the course of the uh, working group's existence, it, one could visibly see that changing. And uh, there is a very, very rapidly growing interest in the topic as it was sort of unpacked and laid out and discussed. Uh, but also, I think that there is a very rapidly uh, changing um, set of expectations from the consumer public, from, from those who use financial services, that the, those uh, organizations and, and companies that they interact with, they would like them to be responsible when it comes to nature. And of course, it is, uh, as any new topic is, uh, a highly competitive space. So there are people moving into it, they're offering services, trying to get that first mover ad advantage. But I think there's a general uh, awareness that all of us, uh, and this includes the most advanced financial centers, and of course the 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 the, the fresher ones, that we all need to move uh, fairly rapidly up the learning curve, and we need to put in place the sorts of basic foundational tools, methodologies, approaches, and capacity that will allow us to. Um, address this this uh, extremely important topic uh, in a very professional way. I think that's right. And it's um, interesting what you say about that acknowledgement that, you know, there's, there's a need to to get on with the job. Now, we, we just briefly mentioned the report. Um, I wonder if you'd be kind enough to summarise 
the five key areas, um, uh, transparency, disclosure, data, technology, norms and standards, and new financial instruments. Yes, we, we chose in the working group to limit ourselves to those five topics. Each one of the courses is, is, is quite vast, but uh, there are many, many different facets to the uh, both the challenge and the opportunity of, of nature finance. But the first that we looked at is the process of uh, transparency and disclosure, partly because there is an international initiative underway called the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosure. I'm sure you all remember the, the earlier Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, which looked at the risk uh, to companies of climate change. Uh, the, the TNFD, the Nature-Related uh, Financial Disclosure Task Force, is actually doing a, a much more ambitious job because they're looking at risk, but they're also looking at the dependency of business models and value chains on nature and nature services and the impact of the companies on those natural resources and, and the, that natural capital. So they broadened it and, and made it much more significant. What they're essentially doing is trying to put a bit of order into the field because it's a new topic, as we've said before, uh, and it's a topic uh, that not everybody is familiar with. So they're they're doing the basic workmanlike job of creating agreed definitions of user principles, uh, uh, looking at, at frameworks uh, for for uh, data, for example, uh, and disclosure reporting. And they're looking at, um, at creating a kind of standard that will advance the field but not lead to an overwhelming burden on companies that are not well prepared to address them. So it's, a, it's, it's exactly what you would do if you wanted to bring a, a new field into existence. And of course, they very quickly uh, put a beta version of, the, of their, of their uh, standard out. And that standard is now being uh, looked at and reacted to by corporations and financial actors around the world. So this is a, a, a huge, a huge thing. The second topic of data, um, if you talk to people about why they're not doing more on nature finance, the answer you'll usually get is, well, the, the data is unreliable, it's patchy, we don't understand how to address it, where to look for it, and so on. And, and that's, you know, in large part, a very honest answer. Of course, TNFD will help because it will lead to far greater transparency and disclosure by corporations and, and, and financial actors. But there's a real problem in that the data that is available is largely in the public sector, but it's very raw data. And if we want financial behavior to change, it has to uh, be translated into the kind of investor-grade data that you get on a Bloomberg or a Refinitiv terminal. And so there's a real job to be done uh, looking at how data can be translated into methodologies and approaches, how you can uh, build a business model with, with uh, incomplete data and uh, set in place, uh, set in motion a process to gradually improve and tighten up that data. And what you're seeing out there, of course, is people not only trying to gather data, you're seeing people uh, coming up with methodologies for uh, looking at the impact you have on nature. For example, the Encore tool, which was developed for banks to understand the impact of their portfolios on, on, on nature. 
or the Global Biodiversity Score developed by CDC Biodiversité in France, uh, and lots of new companies like Nature Alpha that that uh, help corporations develop um, an, an approach to nature finance, even in, a, in an environment of insufficient data. So it's a, a field that's absolutely booming. And whereas data gaps are still very much present, we're getting past that, I think, quite quickly. When it comes to technology, of course, um, the most interesting developments are in the area of, of digital financial technology, usually called fintech. And of course, fintech has the potential to do a great deal of good, but it also has a, a potential to do a great deal of harm. So many financial centers are struggling to put in place a kind of policy framework that would emphasize the good that fintech can do and screen out the sort of bad things. But fintech uh, can speed things up. It can speed the transition up very, very considerably. It permits sort of crowd science. It permits trust protocols. It permits approaches that, that use nature uh, through tokenization or gaming, and it, and it allows direct consumer action on value chains that you uh, never could have got through the traditional institutions that, get, that, that, uh, uh, that manage our, our, our finances. finances. So there's, it's a very exciting area and one that I think we need all to understand better. But perhaps uh, the biggest uh, gap has been, what are we aiming for? Is there a sort of global standard out there that we should all be aiming for? And in fact, one is emerging very quickly. You know from climate that we have the uh, net zero targets that, that increasingly corporations and financial actors are expected to sign up to and, and take action on. But there's a similar one em emerging now from the field of, of, of nature and biodiversity, which we call nat nature positive standard. And what it means essentially is that the action of a corporation or the action of financial investors should leave nature at least no worse off than it was at the beginning of the investment or the corporate activity, and if possible, better than it was. So it's, a, it's a, 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 an attempt at looking at a kind of restorative uh, agenda uh, rather than simply doing no harm. And increasingly now, there's a kind of convergence between net zero and, and nature positive. And I think it could very rapidly become a condition of doing business uh, with the burden of proof actually placed on the corporations or the financial actors. And, and uh, uh, increasingly, for example, uh, being, companies being excluded from, from uh, public procurement uh, competitions if they are not signed up to that standard or not having access to credit if they're not signed up to the standard. So this is something that is putting in place, I think, uh, a, a new sort of condition of doing business, a new sort of social norm that will be expected of all financial actors in the future. Finally, um, there is a lot of movement on the area in the area of new financial instruments. And I will simply um, illustrate it with one, and that is addressing um, developing country debt, which of course grew a great deal worse during the, the COVID pandemic. And, and uh, that is frankly uh, unsustainable. That debt will never be repaid. And so instead of uh, struggling with, with uh, restructuring after restructuring, there's an approach that says, if these countries um, 
uh, invest in climate action or, or nature restoration, then uh, in exchange for that, that performance, if you like, that, that certified performance of improving climate or nature, they can get relief on their debt. So it's a, a, a sort of what we call a nature performance bond, where the benefit from the bond is actually uh, given once the performance is achieved or what or milestones towards that, that uh, performance are passed. So there's a lot of creativity going into, into new financial instruments that could work on, on, on our capital markets and that could both have the effect of improving conditions in developing countries, lowering developing countries' cost of capital, and addressing the urgent climate and biodiversity uh, challenges that we've all agreed that we need to need to address. Wow, that's quite some report. Thank you for uh, for taking me through it. Now, uh, with regard to new financial instruments, um, uh, Genzi has been developing in this space. So, uh, our regulator, the Genzi Financial Services Commission, uh, launched the world's first regulated green fund regime back in 2018, which now channels more than 4.9 billion into verified green projects. And we have a, a another world first, which is is pretty recent. Um, the, there's a, a very recent proposal for a natural capital fund regime. Um, its intention is to direct capital to biodiversity and natural capital investments uh, and we hope it will also provide investors with confidence that their investments into these funds are going to economically viable business models that are aligned to international standards on reporting nature-based targets um, to ensure transparency good governance and to mitigate the risk of greenwashing We've seen that leaders in biodiversity finance have been calling for greater private investment and regulation to protect and restore the natural world. We're very proud of the work so far with Guernsey Green Finance. That's Guernsey's initiative for greening the financial system. And Guernsey's an integral member of the United Nations Financial Centres for Sustainability. And, and as I mentioned just now, we've you know, launched the world's first green fund regime. And our regulators recently joined the TNFD forum. But there's always more that we can do. Um, in your opinion, Mark, what could Guernsey do next? Well, I mean, first of all, heartiest congratulations on what you've already done. I think Thank you. very exciting news and a, a very good example for other, other financial centres. And clearly Guernsey has sort of got the message when it comes to how expectations are changing in the financial world. So I very much hope that, that uh, this will be a great success and it will expand. Uh, as I said before, uh, part of it is directing finance at, at green or nature or biodiversity priorities. And that is clearly something we had to do. I mentioned the $824 billion gap on, on, on nature financing. And clearly a gap like that can only be met uh, uh, if private capital is deployed. Uh, uh, towards it. So this idea that uh, our governments will solve the problem of, of protecting nature and we'll get on with business and try and do a, a bit of a better job, I think is, is very outdated thinking. Uh, what we need to do is ensure uh, that, that financial activity has as a byproduct the restoration of nature. So it's not simply getting money into green priorities, it's ensuring that the money that goes into uh, your your if you like, non-green activities also uh, has the impact of improving nature. 
And so that it's not just, well, we've got a green fund and it's investing a lot of money in, in green projects. Uh, the rest of your, your financial activity should follow a kind of standard where it is at least not undermining nature in the course of its activities or having the secondary impact of undermining natural capital, but instead uh, improves it. And I think that's a job of looking at uh, the, the impact of overall portfolios of the financial actors in your center. It's uh, going forward with disclosure and reporting. Uh, it's promoting new standards. It's experimenting with new financial instruments. It's sort of all the things that we, we set out in, in, in the working group report in which we hope all of the financial centers that are members of FCFRS will, will adopt. But, you know, it's always easy to say, well, there's more you can do and you can perfect this or perfect that. I think the key thing is that Guernsey is clearly moving in, in the right direction and, and that uh, I hope through FC4S we can make that example far far better known around the world uh, so that it might be emulated by other, other financial centres. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you very much indeed. Um, well, Mark, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. It's been absolutely fascinating um, to hear you explain why biodiversity is so important and the work that financial centres can do to support that development. I'd also like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. We have quite a back catalogue of interviews and panel discussions on the Guernsey Green Finance podcast channel, and you can check them out by searching for Guernsey Green Finance wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can leave us a review or a comment, and we always love to receive your feedback. You can learn more about the investable opportunities with biodiversity finance and about Guernsey's sustainable finance offerings. You can also now register to attend uh, a sustainable finance week, which is being held in Guernsey between the 19th and 23rd of September. We'll be hosting market leading keynote speakers, informative panel sessions and an opportunity to network with global and Guernsey leading sustainable finance practitioners all in the glorious surroundings of our beautiful island. You can also find us at guernseygreenfinance.org and weareguernsey.com. You can interact with us on Twitter at gsygreenfinance and at weareguernsey. You can hear more news relating to uh, developments coming out of Guernsey's finance industry by checking out the We Are Guernsey podcast on your preferred platform. And we've also got links to Mark and UNFC4S social media in our show notes. So check them out to hear more from them. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Guernsey Green Finance podcast.